0: Okay, Tanya Life, Herek 15. Herek Tesvov. So actually, this is a pivotal chapter. And you'll understand why through a story. Ooh. The story takes us back to the 1960s. And in a non Chabadi Shiva was a secret class gathering once a week to learn Tanya. And it was secret because the administrators of that yeshiva weren't necessarily Kassidus inclined. They weren't of that stock. They weren't of that community. And some of the students really wanted to learn Tanya, but the teachers were against it, and so they had this secret class, and every single week, the legendary Rabiel khan who was just recently passed away, who was the most foremost scholar and citizen of our time, the chief oral scribe of the Rebbe, meaning he would hear and listen to the Rebbe's forbringings on Shabbos when recording was forbidden, and Tov the holidays when recording was forbidden. And after Shabbos, he would head a team of scribes and write down all the talks of the rabbi from memory. And he was a brilliant, brilliant individual. He was also a great teacher of Chesivis. And he would teach this class once a week. Now, in this yeshiva was a boy who was going through a little bit of a crisis. What was his crisis? It essentially came down to the fact that he was limited academically. And while most of the other boys in the Shiva were advancing at the normal pace, he was lagging behind. He didn't have the he didn't have the mental um um capabilities, capacities, like like rest rest, I'm a very nice boy, very sincere. But while the other boys were learning Talmud and they were covering a lot of ground, he was lagging behind. And he was speaking with his Kharusal one day, his study partner, and he was telling him that he's very, very frustrated. He's very frustrated, not only that he's lagging behind academically, but deep down in his heart, he's not able to fulfill one of the greatest wishes of his life. What is the greatest wish of his life? He was brought up in a home which always placed a premium and emphasized the greatness of becoming what's known a gadol. A gadol means a great person in Torah, a great Torah scholar, and he was just—he grew up in such an environment. He grew up in a place in a home where, where his fathers, his uncles, his brothers, his mother, his, his siblings—they were, you know, it, it was—they would always um, speak about the virtues of being a gadol, a great Torah scholar, and that's kind of like the—that's what—that's the, the 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 ultimate. And he's struggling greatly in his Torah studies, and uh, his great wish is is not coming to, to bear, to become what's called a gadol literally means the great, a great. So he was telling this to his Chavrosa, his study partner. So his study partner said, why don't you speak to the Rosh Hashiva, the principal? Tell him about your concerns. So he went over to the Rosh Hashiva and he said, can I ask a question? He said, sure. He said, this is a personal question. He said, I'm actually very frustrated. With tears in his eyes, he said, that I'm lagging behind in my studies. I see these boys around me. They're all... Um, advancing at a, at a pace that I cannot attain and I feel like everyone else here has a chance to be a Godot and I don't. The Rosh Hashiva said, listen, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's going on. He said, not everyone could be a Godot. Very simple. Because if everyone's a Godot, no one is a Godot. If everyone is the same great in Torah, then no one is great. So there has to be that there's different levels. Some people are better. Some people are not as good. Intellectually, it was a very good answer. But something really bothered him. He sat back down and what he figured out what bothered him. What bothered him is, is that Hashem created those who are Goggles, who are going to be the great, and those who are not. So why did Hashem create me as the person not going to be one? And the one across the hall is going to be the Goggles. So, the frustration returned, and the frustration returned twofold. So he decided he's gonna speak to another person on the faculty of the yeshiva. He's going to speak to what's co- what's known as the Mashkiya, who's the spiritual mentor. The spiritual mentor. Every yeshiva has a spiritual mentor where boys can go and and speak about their spiritual, personal spiritual journeys. So he went over to him and he said I have a big problem. My whole life I'm dreaming to become a Gadol and I come to Yeshiva and in Yeshiva where it's the place where I'm supposed to be learning and growing in my Torah. That's when I discover I have no chance. So it's very I'm I'm feeling very dejected. So the Mashiach said listen I'll tell you what's going on. He said Hashem runs the world and Hashem creates some people are going to be Gadon, G'daylin, in plural. They're going to be the, the, the great Torah scholar, And some people are going to be the supporters of the Torah scholars. What, 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 what happens to a Torah scholar? whole day he's going to be learning Torah. How is, he, how is he going to support his family? You have people who go into business or go into a career and they make an access of money. And they go to a person Torah, who's learning Torah and say, you know what, I'm going to support you and I'll be able to have a Support of Torah study. So if everyone is learning Torah, who's going to support the, who's going to support the Torah scholars? Oh, okay. Maybe you'll be a great businessman, make a lot of money, be able to support some Torah scholars. So he walks away, and he felt something is missing. And when he sits down in the seat, again the frustration comes, comes back, because he says to himself, "Hashem created that some people are going to be the island and some people are going to be the, the the supporters. Why did Hashem create me to be the supporter? I want to be the gadol." Maybe my friend should be the supporter. Still doesn't make any sense. I still feel shortchanged over here. I want to be a god. My whole life I want to be a god. I cat. not Frustration grew from day to day until a friend told him, by the way, there is a secret Tanya share, secret Tanya class that happens here once a week. But B.O. Khan from Heights comes in. He's a great, let's call him. He's a very wise man. I wonder what he would say. Why don't you ask him your question? Ask him. So that week, this boy comes to the secret class of Tanya. And he goes, he sits, and Rebeul is giving the class. He notices there's a new face. At the end, he had a conversation with this new boy. The new boy said, the truth is, I came, not because I had so much interest in Tanya, but because I was told that maybe you can have an answer to my question. My question is, my whole life I want to be a goddoll, and my hopes are dashed. So, what's my life for? Why did Hashem create me this way? So, Rabiel, wise as he was, decided that this would be a brilliant question to ask the Rebbe. Maybe he had an answer, but he wanted to see what the Rebbe would say. It's a question. He told his boy, "Why don't you write a letter to the Rebbe? I'll, 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 I'll bring it to some seventies of Heights. I'll give it to the Rebbe." Talking about in the nineteen sixties, where access to the Rebbe was. A lot more um, than obviously in the later years, so you could hope for a reply to a letter um, quite, quite, um, quite soon. And um, as because in the later years, I'm saying a lot of letters, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't even get an answer because there were so many. Um, so okay, so this boy decides he's going to do such a thing. He writes down his entire story and his frustration in a letter. They give it to reveal And the next week, already when he came to the class, Abel takes him aside and says, I have an answer for you after the class. After the class, he gives him the letter. The letter, the Rebbe writes to his situation as follows. Fascinating letter. Writes like this. In the Talmud, there's a tractate called tractate tradition. And at the end of this tractate, there is a very, very famous passage. And the passage goes like this. Ani nivresi Which means in English, I am created. A person should always have the consciousness that I am created to serve my creator. That's the purpose of my creation. To serve my creator. This passage of Talmud actually has another version. Sometimes there's a few versions in Tamil because Tamil was recorded Um, like all ancient books are recorded by hand. So a lot of times you have different versions. There's another version. Other version, it's slightly different, but it has a monumental difference in meaning. So the slight difference in wording is which means I was only created or more precisely in the translation, I was not created at all except for the serve my creator, meaning not I was created to serve my creator, but I have no other existence besides the serve my creator. And both of them are legitimate versions of the Talmud. And Siddhis usually quotes the second one, meaning the more stark, the more heavy, heavy um, statement, which is my I, my entire existence, I have no existence. If not the serve my creator, I have no existence. That means, says the Rebbe, a very simple truth that I want you to understand, he tells his boy. That truth is, is that every single person was created with a different capacity, with a different limit, and different capabilities. Every single person was created uniquely so. One person was created that he could learn a hundred pages of Talmud in one night and he's brilliant and he can finish it and he can understand it and it's great. Another person in one night one sitting could only learn a half a page. That's his capability, that's his capability. And what Hashem wants from you is to serve him. Meaning that you fulfill your potential. You fulfill your capability uniquely to you. Now let's say the person who has capability to learn a hundred pages only learns 90. And the person who has the capability to learn only a half learns a half. Who's fulfilling their potential? The one who weren't learned way less, but fulfilling gives unique potential. So the Rabbi said, if you were created to fulfill your own potential. Ain Which means there's no greater guddle, there's no greater great, there's no greater greatness than this which is a complete mind shift to where this boy was coming from. He thought that to get greatness to attain his life's mission was the subjective life, the subjective mission, you know, comparable to everyone else. And what they was telling him is it's very unique to you. It's very unique to you. Every single person is on their own journey, and if you fulfill your potential, you have achieved greatness. And that's how you measure greatness. That's the measure of greatness. Why do I say the story? Because this is the exact idea which is brought forth in chapter 15 of the Tanya. Where are we coming from? So chapter 1 through 13 was a journey. And the journey was to understand who we are, who we are not, and who we could become, essentially. And so we learned that a person, their status quo, people are born. They're born with capacity for sin and with a desire for sin. And therefore, we are in the category known as Russia. But we could become the category called Benini. Okay, what is a Benini? A person who is naturally still very driven to negativity, very driven to sin, has their humanness very much at the fore. Yet they never let their negative side or the animal soul conquer their body. They never let the negative side manifest in their body, so they never actually do sin or actually speak sin or actually thinks it. That's a benini. Inside, he's really like a rasha. On the outside, though, he's like a tzaddik because he does everything perfect. Okay, so now we're going to learn something very fascinating. I'm going to play something very fascinating. We learned that on the right side of the spectrum, there's Tzaddik. The left side of the spectrum is On Directly in the middle is Bainani, right? So the truth is that on the, on the right side of the spectrum is Tzaddik, but there's two types of Tzaddik, right? There's two types of Tzaddik we learned. And the left side, there's two types of rosha. What are the two types of Tzaddik? Very quickly to recap, the two types of Tzaddik are the perfect Tzaddik, the imperfect Tzaddik. The Tzaddik, as a general category, is a perfect person doesn't sin, doesn't even have desire for sin. But there was a difference between the perfect, ultimate perfect, and the not ultimate perfect. What was the difference? The difference was if their disgust and disdain for negativity was an ultimate disgust or not an ultimate disgust, meaning they don't have a desire for sin. For sure not, not even a desire. But how disgusted are they from sin? How disgusted, how how much does it bother them? the ultimate tzaddik, it bothers them greatly. And the flip side of that is that they have ultimate ultimate love to Hashem every single second. An imperfect tzaddik, which is most of, tzaddik, most of the tzaddik, the tzaddik category is small in its own right. But even within the category, the imperfect tzaddik is a more larger category. Their disgust and the stain towards the negativity is not absolute. Okay, so there's two types of tzaddik. On the russia side, there's also two types of russia. There was the ultimate russia and the non-ultimate russia. The two general categories of russia. To recap really quickly, what, what, what are these two general categories? There is a Rasha who at least they sin, but the frequency of the sin is not so frequent. Or the severity of the sin is not so severe. Or even more importantly, they feel regret after the sin. Okay? And there's many different varying degrees of how frequent, how much regret, how frequent the regret is. Right? Everyone's different. So there's, there's a lot of different levels, a lot of different types of personalities within the Russia category. The common denominator by all Russia is that they is that they sin, even even once or twice they sin. But there could be a very very good Russia, it could be an amazing amazing person, even they sin once, but they regret it right away, right? They're they're very free, they're very easy to regret. And then there's the absolute Russia who never regrets, absolute evil. So even Russia has two categories. say it that way. Now, directly in the middle was the Benini. Is there only one category of Benini? So the truth is, there's two categories of Benini also. Two categories, two types of Benini. The common denominator, of both types are again, just to reiterate, a person who the battle is real. Full struggle inside, but never lets the negative part win. In, the, in actuality, fine. But there's two types. And these two types could be found in if they're hinted in a verse in one of the prophets, the prophet of Malachi. So I'm going to read this verse in English, in, in, in Hebrew. I'm going to translate it in English. The verse goes like this. Sit and see the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha. The difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. To he who serves Hashem to he who does not serve Hashem. Meaning to say that there's a difference between a tzaddik and a rasha, obviously. That's obvious, right? And there's a difference between he who serves Hashem and he who doesn't serve Hashem. So if you're reading this verse very shallowly, you're reading this verse just with a flow, in a very simple way, with simple interpretation, you would say that the verse is a bit redundant. It's just repeating itself. A tzaddik is a person who serves Hashem. A rasha is a person who doesn't serve Hashem. So what is the passage saying? There's a difference between tzaddik and rasha, between he who serves Hashem, and he who doesn't serve Hashem. So it's just a redundant, it's the same thing. There's a tzadik Russia, a person who serves Hashem who doesn't serve Hashem, same thing. But of course, a redundancy in a verse is never ever tolerated, really, never tolerated, because the precision in wording when it comes to a verse in Torah is of absolute precision. Even a, even even in, in 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 many of the later works of of Judaism. It's the Torah. Precision is, is, is a thing. We, 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 we're very precise. And if something's redundant, we don't let it go. We have to discover why is it redundant. Definitely in a verse in Torah, like, there's, there's a, if there's a redundancy, it must be telling us something. So The Talmud actually says that there's two types of tzaddikim. One type of tzaddik is called the one who serves Hashem. And the other type is called the one who doesn't serve Hashem. What does it mean that there's one who serves Hashem one who doesn't serve Hashem? How can it be a tzaddik who doesn't serve Hashem? Isn't that a definition of a tzaddik? The Talmud explains the difference between a tzaddik who serves Hashem and a tzaddik who doesn't serve Hashem is the tzaddik who serves Hashem learns 101 times the tzaddik who doesn't serve Hashem learns 100 times. Let's unpack this. The tzaddik who serves Hashem learns 101 times versus the tzaddik who doesn't serve Hashem learns only 100 times. What's the idea over here? The idea is is that it was custom back in the day, the days of, in Talmudic times it was custom that every piece of knowledge that you learned you reviewed 100 times. That's how children were trained. They reviewed it 100 times. Talk about serious education, something that's not so, uh, <laughs> not taken so seriously nowadays. But we're talking about every single thing you learned, you reviewed 100 times. If a person does 101, you're going beyond the standard. You're going beyond what we would call the comfort zone. This already gives us an indication that there's a difference between the serving Hashem and not serving Hashem. The difference would be not in if you're a tzaddik or not a tzaddik. Even a tzaddik, even a person who has no inclination, who has no desire for a bad, a really perfect person, there's still, very, still, there's still more to do. There could be the tzaddik who stays within the comfort zone and the tzaddik who, stay, who, who goes beyond his comfort zone. And there's always more to do. There's always, always more to do. There's a famous story with the third Rebbe of Chabad, He's known as the Tzemach Tzedek because he wrote a book called Tzemach Tzedek. So he's known by his book, Tzemach Tzedek. That Tzemach Tzedek was the grandson of the author of the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, and they were extremely close, extremely close. And actually, due to tra- tragic circumstances, his mother, the Alter Rebbe's daughter, passed away very young when he was only three years old, like like a few, like literally two days after his birthday, or a few days after his third birthday. And she, before she passed away, she asked her father to guarantee that he would take care of her son, take care of his education, take care of his 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 life. And he took it upon himself. So he was like a father to to, to his grandson. It was one time. It was a young man. someone said it was a young man. And his grandfather said, "You know what? I want to give you a blessing." Altarebbe, his blessing was obviously a very big thing. After Rebbe's blessing, he said. My blessing is I want to give you, bestow upon you all of Torah knowledge. I'll give you a blessing that you, that Hashem should bless you that you should have all the Torah knowledge, you know, downloaded. Boom. You don't have to, you won't, you won't have to put in any more effort. <laughs> but someone said as a young man, refused. Why did he refuse? As he said, I don't want to give up. There's two parts of Torah. There's two parts of the of the of the of the of the mitzvah of torah there's knowing torah but then there's learning torah the mitzvah to actually work hard to understand the concept in torah is a mitzvah itself so you have knowing torah is a very important so when you walk away from this class today you'll know something but the class itself the learning is also a mitzvah you don't want to give up that 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 you don't want to give up the value and the effort much later he actually said much much later he says that I regret that decision. You know why? Because Torah is so infinite that even if I would have been able to get all of Torah knowledge in my head, there would have been still infinite layers and depth that I could always reach more. So it would have just boosted me to a higher uh, level. But there's no such thing as getting all of Torah knowledge in terms of depth, maybe in terms of, of width, maybe in terms of just actual knowledge. But the depths of knowledge, I could have, I could have spent all my time starting from a much higher place. But what, what is what, if that's true by Torah, it's true by life as well. In terms of service of Hashem, it's true in mitzvahs. Because we're talking about infinite, infinite value and infinite depth in Torah and mitzvahs. So even the tzaddik, even the greatest tzaddik, so he's starting on a he's on a very high level. We're talking about a person who doesn't have to struggle with, 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 with his humanness. That's like a level we could all, you know, just envy. Even he... Has more to go in terms of serving Hashem. Now, the Alter Adam brings into the picture over here a little bit of soul interpretation in this verse. Soul interpretation. This verse, as we explained it till now, was body interpretation, was nigla. That there's a difference between serving Hashem and not serving Hashem, that there's a tzaddik that serves Hashem and a tzaddik doesn't serve Hashem. And the difference is, if one goes out of his comfort zone, one goes. One doesn't go out of the comfort zone. Says the Alter Rebbe, like this. The wording in this verse, even if you you were able to answer me, the redundancy, there's a difference between Sadiq and Russia, and then servashem, not servoshem. So if servashem and sadiq and not servoshem and Russia, it's redundant. So how do we answer that? Very simple. There's a difference between Sadiq and Russia. That's the first part of the puzzle. And then within Sadiq, there's two, there's a difference also. Yes, servoshem, not servoshem with in Sadik. So you're able to answer me the redundancy. But I want to go even more precise. Even more precise. What's the terminology you use to say a servant of Hashem? You say, Oived Hashem. Oived Hashem means not a servant of Hashem, but serving Hashem. There's a difference between Oived and Eved in Hebrew. The difference between Oived and Eved is Eved is a title. The title, you are a servant of Hashem. Like it's just who you are. Oybed means it's a verb, so it means you are in service of. It's not who you are; it's what you do. Okay, it's very. It's like, for example, the word uh, that we're using now, tzaddik. Tzaddik itself, the word tzaddik, tzaddik is a description of a person. It's not what he does; it's who he is. Russia's a description of a person, it's not what he does; it's who he is. It's a description. It's a. It's, it's 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 descriptive of it's, of of a of an entity. No. It's a title. the noun. but then there's ayved in the verb. It's what you're doing, service of Hashem. Says the Alter This verse uses the word ayved, which is the the verb. Who amongst us in the Jewish people? Who is the ayved Hashem? Who is in service constantly? It's not the tzaddik, it's the benini. The tzaddik is the emed, he's there already. So I could tell you even more precision in this verse. This verse is actually sound like this. There's a difference between a tzaddik and a rasha, and then the second part of the verse is, and then there's the benini, and there's two types of benini. There's the benini that serves Hashem, and a benini that does not serve Hashem. And here, how the Alter Rebbe interprets this difference between the bainini and the not at the, 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 the two types of bainini. The Benini that serves Hashem, Benini that does not serve Hashem. Okay? By way of example, and in another interesting piece of Talmud, Talmud says that this is uh, uh, just uh, the laws of rentals. You know, that there's laws in every area of life. There's laws of, of literally every area of life, whether it's ritual, whether it's civil, whether it's uh, judicial, criminal, whatever it may be, Torah has what to say in all years of life. So it's actually very fascinating laws of rentals. Back in the day there weren't car rentals, but there was donkey rentals. So you came to the city, you had to rent the donkey donkey rentals. Hertz donkey rentals. So you come to the Hertz dock, you come to the Hertz donkey rentals, says the Tom like this. And now we're used to renting cars by day time but then they 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 rented out donkeys by mileage i mean even nowadays you still have mileage limits sometimes donkeys by mileage it's not like how long you're gonna take this donkey it's how far you're taking this donkey how much you're gonna work this donkey okay so thomas says like this a regular normal rental is one zoo for 10 parcel which is in Talmudic language, currency and, and measurements. One Zuz was like, let's say, the, the dollar. Zuz was the normative currency. So let's say $1 for 10 pars, pars is a measurement of distance. So like $1 for 10 miles, let's say. Okay? $2, two Zuz for 11 parson Two Zuz for 11 parses, which means like $2 for 11 miles. If you're going 10 miles, it's $1. You go 11 miles two dollars not 20 miles it's two dollars 11 the Talmud says why so if ten miles is one dollar then 11 miles is a dollar and ten cents why two dollars says, because these the donkey a normative donkey regular donkey unless you have something special a regular donkey on the market the regular market value for the regular donkey is a donkey that could go in one day or one trip And once you make the donkey go out of its regular routine, the value in that extra effort is not comparative value. It's uncomparative value. It's it's exponential value because the very fact they have to go out of their comfort zone already, that 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 value you double, okay. So just as that that's this is an illustration of a concept in life that Shot the Rebbe presents. He says there's two types of bainini. The Bainini is a person who never gives in, right? But again, people are not robots. They're not. They don't come off the machine um, as you know, uh, you know, as a in a, in a in a in an assembly line, right? Everyone is different. Everyone has a different temperament. Everyone has a different tendency. Everyone has Things that attract them, and everyone has the amount of attractiveness, and everything everyone has the amount of desire, and everyone is the, everyone's just regulated differently, okay? So you have some people, some people, that just by nature they are pain, calm, quiet people. They're by nature they're of a hummus, their nephew of ahamas is animal soul which still desires a desire for sinful act, a desire for or or, or attractive negative forces or whatever may be from all the temptation in the world is just not raging as much. It's just not raging as much. So for them to stop themselves from actually committing sin, what does it take? What it takes on their part is a reflection. It's a bit of a reflection who they are as a person, realizing that there are a spark of God within. They have within them a natural connection to Hashem. They don't want to sever that natural connection. And therefore I won't sin. It's a the calculation is very, very smooth. Right? The the battle is 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 quiet warfare. You know, it's not like a raging battle. They have a natural advantage that it, it doesn't take that much to stop themselves. Just doesn't. Then you have people, by the way who are like this first style benini, that even if naturally they had to battle, but they battled so long that it became second nature, and if it became second nature, it's easy. It's easy to win. It's easy. They're a benini, but they're not considered serving Hashem because the definition of serving Hashem is going beyond your comfort zone. On the other side of the spectrum is you have the benini, Whose desires and temptations are raging, full throttle, and 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 for the worst sins, talking about the like the other side of the spectrum completely, and yet they contain themselves. They contain themselves. That is a complete reversal of their nature. If A person reverses their nature like that. That is what Hashem considers a service of Hashem. Out there of a saying that even in Benin, again, the, the, the common denominator is that they never sin. They both don't sin. They're both accomplishing their purpose in life, to be honest. They're accomplishing their purpose. They're not, they, they never actually manifest either their mind, their mouth, or their actions, their limbs, and sin. But you cannot compare a bainini that has to reverse his nature to a Benin that is just going with his nature with course. This one is putting in that effort, that effort beyond the comfort zone, and this one is not putting in the effort beyond the comfort zone. And this is where we see the difference between what we call the one who serves Hashem to one who doesn't serve Hashem. And what that tells us is a very fascinating thing, that there's a specific definition, there's a definition for what we call a, a person in service of Hashem. The Benini... Who doesn't do one thing wrong in his whole life, in terms of actual action, but because it's natural to him, we say, we don't know if you're serving Hashem. Maybe you're just, maybe you're just going with your nature. There's no indication really that you're doing it for Hashem. Only the one who reverses their nature, that's an indication that, that's an indication that they're serving Hashem. It was once a, a very wealthy man who was very close to the Rebbe, and he said, Rebbe, I want to know when do I consider that I actually fulfilled the mitzvah of tzedakah? Now, I know, technically, I want to get very technical, even if you give one nickel, one dime to tzedakah, you did a great mitzvah. You give from your own money, even the smallest amount, to tzedakah, you did the mitzvah. And and whether you give a dime or a million dollars, it's still a mitzvah. A mitzvah is invaluable. right? But in that's the technical term but in terms of me as a person when do i consider that i'm i've given stock because i'm i'm a i'm a, a millionaire a billionaire i'm like you know to me giving is, is 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 like just part of life the rabbi answered when it starts to hurt when it starts to hurt and everyone has their everyone has that moment when it when it hurts you know when like you know, I, I wasn't expecting to give that. You know that, that's a little too much to my expectation or, or my projection for this week, or, you know, when you, when you tip and you go beyond that, that's, that's when you can consider like really giving of yourself in terms of stock-up. Um, because even even the wealthiest person still has their limits. You give just beyond your limit. That's actually that, that's, that's like why? Because beyond your limit. and your limit is you. If you could go beyond your limit, that's godly. Where does God enter the picture? When you go beyond your limits. Till then, you could still be doing a mitzvah and everything, but it could be you. And it's you and more you and more you. Where does the indication that it's God? It's when you went beyond the you. Beyond your own limit. And that is the two types of being. What this teaches us is taking the tanya to life. So firstly, in relationship, in relationship to Hashem, what we learn is, is that um, there's always always another limit. There's always another limit. what well, we learn very famously from um, the verse that talks about leaving Egypt, right One of the most famous stories of our history, the start of our nation is when we left Egypt, we became we were slaves, we became um, a nation. So it says the verse says, "He may chase Kherah, like the days you left Egypt. How many days did it take to leave Egypt? How many days does it take to leave anything? It takes a second, right? At a certain point you left the borders. Why does it say the days in plural is coming to teach us that leaving Egypt is a daily task. Egypt doesn't necessarily mean the geographical location of Egypt. The Hebrew word of Egypt is mitzrayim which actually comes from the wor- root word of Mitzray, which means limitations. Every day is a new limitation. And every day you have to go beyond your limitation. And what happens when you get past the wall? There's another wall. They get past the wall there's another wall. So you can be even the most perfect person. The, the 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 greatest you are from yesterday is only the starting point of tomorrow. That's in terms of service of Hashem. The same thing is when it comes to your relationship with yourself and relationship with with um with, with others as well. This this talks to human nature. And what Hashem holds valuable. What this chapter is saying is, is a phenomenal concept. It's really a phenomenal concept. It's almost like when you're when you're reading through when you're reading through Tanya, this is like the first chapter where it really goes beyond the technical. Because until now we defined who you could be and what you should be able to reach. And and it's this it's this um it's this effort and journey to become a bainini, and we look at bainini as like a, as like a, as like a, you know, like a, like like a goal, right? It's a goal. You want to reach this goal. What happens when you reach the goal? This chapter is telling us that there's no, there's no such thing. Even in, even in bainini, there's two types. There is the one that just hit the mark and continues flowing, and was able to learn that 100 chapters, or like the donkey, is able to reach uh, the, the, the 10 miles. Reach your limit, and day in, day out, the donkey will continue doing the ten miles. Or day in, day out, you'll learn the hundred, the, 100, the chapter hundred times as, as as the it's the norm, no problem. And you'll be the you'll be you'll be great. You get straight A's, you get the best grades in terms of life, going through life, you'll be the best person. You'll have friends, everything could be perfect, and you could just reach it. But if you're just coasting along, you're just coasting along, that just that's just within your confines and what Hashem considers godly, in other words, going out of yourself, is going beyond your limits. So even within this category of me, once you get there, it's like it's not a destination. Like once you get there, it's like, okay, you know, what's what what's it's definitely a destination. I'm saying you come to a place where you don't you're not sitting, you've come to a moment where you're completely aligned with Hashem's will. That's amazing. But even in this moment, it's not a graduation. It's an orientation orientation. It's not a graduation. You don't graduate. It's like, okay, now what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And you have to constantly be doing that because that means that you're actually in service of Hashem, in service of a higher purpose, in service of a higher cause, and that there's no greater indication than one who's going beyond their limits. One who goes only within their limits is, well, it's them. It's, even if you're doing good, it could just be you. In terms of doing the godly thing and fulfilling your purpose in your creation, it's all about going beyond your limits. It's always about, it's all it's all about the efforts. So just to circle back to that story of what you started, started with, is that this gives us a, a frame of mind which is like redemptive. Really, 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 really redemptive. In a way, it means that you always have to constantly work. But the flip side is it's very redemptive because every one of us on the personal journey and every one of us' personal journey is defined by, by the limitations, by the limitations that Hashem put on you. And your personal journey is all about, in your world, going just beyond your limit. Not comparing yourself to someone else. Not comparing yourself to someone else. This is in terms of relationship with another. Comparing yourself to someone else, you're already having the the wrong framework. Everyone has their personal journey. And their personal journey, they have to fight with their personal limitation. That is the idea. Not to try to reach someone else's achievement, but your own achievement and your own limits, whatever you thought was your limit, you have to conquer. It's all about that effort that you put in um which is really cherished in God's eye.